Well, uh, um, as they're continuing to take care of, uh, again, I don't know who, who fell. Maybe that's good. We don't know. And we'll uh, focus our attention on God's word as we um, uh, address the needs there. Um, last Sunday, uh, we uh, looked at Psalm 23 and we talked about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And how when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even that's a gift at times uh, because it's in those times of real challenge, of real struggle uh, that uh, we're forced to trust in the good shepherd who leads us through those valleys. You know, And it's the, the challenges of life that can be a great gift because they make it clear what is important in the moment, um, it's happened once uh, with uh, the my three children when they were born. Um, I had one who was born too quickly, um, came through way too fast, and next thing I know, they're calling in the neo intense neonatal intensive care. So the NICU comes in, and it's like helicopters have entered the building. I mean, there's like tw- you go from Doctor, the baby, Kathy, a a nurse, to all of a sudden 20 people running around. Instruments come in. They're putting things on the baby. They are suction this, suction that. And it seemed like it was 30 minutes. It was probably 30 seconds. Um, uh, That then they, um, you know, said, they said, okay, the baby's breathing. We're okay. But in that 30, you know, when, when the baby's born, you know, you... You're drawn to a few things, right? Yeah, what, what's the, gen- and those were the days when you didn't find out the gender ahead of time. No gender reveal party. That was it, you know. And, and you're like, what, what's the gender? You know, how many fingers? How many toes? I didn't care diddly about any of that. I wanted one thing. Breathe. It's all I wanted to hear. The rest was icing. You know, the rest was gravy. They're just crying out to God. God, help this child breathe. Well, today what we find with Solomon here, he's in a challenging place. He's now king. We move into 1 Kings. David dies in the very beginning of 1 Kings. Solomon is now placed on the throne. And he's like, what's the one thing? What What is it? What is What is his desire? What is his deepest longing at this time of becoming king? And that's what we'll see as we look at 1 Kings chapter 3. Let's... Uh, Pray together. Uh, Gracious God, we ask that you would enable us to hear from your word what is true and good. And, And take it in each of our lives and apply it to us individually and apply it to us as a church. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, so we're in 1 Kings chapter 3, starting on page 282 in your pew Bible. We'll start with verse um, 1. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he'd finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places. However, 
because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness in an uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept him from this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke. And behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so Solomon is king now. And as we just read, you know, these are his, his first days as being king. Um, and, and, and maybe as you heard us read through this, maybe you were a little flummoxed here. You know, a little, huh, is this good or bad? What, what exactly is this mixed bag that we're receiving here with Solomon? Because it is, it's a mixed bag. Um, first, the, the first thing is that we're told Solomon has a marriage alliance with Pharaoh of Egypt by marrying his daughter, um, uh, and it's like, is that right? Is that a, a good thing? Well, that's a good question to be asking if you had that question. And we'll get there in, in a minute. Um, but uh, it seems like what the writer's saying is that he did that, um, you know, until everything was done. You know, until the house of the Lord was built, uh, until Solomon's palace was built, until the wall around was built. Probably did it for protection, because if I'm Pharaoh and my daughter is living in Jerusalem, I'm probably not going to attack. 
That's not an unusual thing. It is sort of the way Pharaohs operated, but not necessarily the king of Israel operated. So anyway, that's we get this mixed bag there, and then then it really becomes a mixed bag. We know, well, no way, we know this isn't right. That they're sacrificing at the high places. They're, they're told regularly, you know, don't sacrifice in the the high places, and that even Solomon was sacrificing at the high places. So he's yeah. Un, this, there's this uncertainty here. All right, wait a minute. Is, is Solomon following the ways of God or? Not. Um, uh, so we, we have that question until then we get to verse 3 and 4, right? Um, because then we're told Solomon loved the Lord, walked in the statutes of David his father, only that he sacrificed and made offerings in the high places. So we, we get this mixed bag here, this mixed message of Solomon. And, and if, if when I read this and think about it and recognize it, I find great solace here. Because you may think I'm wonderful. I want to tell you, I'm a mixed bag. And I got plenty of people, a long line of people that can tell you. No, he's not wonderful. You know, you, you, you know him like I know him. And I'll, I'll show you his weaknesses. I'll show you his arrogance. I'll show you his fear. Show you his anxiety. I, I'll show you all of those weaknesses. But um, uh, Kathy's not here today, so... <laughs> <clears throat> but this is painting this picture of Solomon as a human, fully human, you know, that coming to God with, you know, as uh, Mitch Teamley regularly says, if it weren't for mixed motives, I'd have no motives at all. Yeah, you know, coming to God. I mean, he loves God and he wants to follow after David, but he he's also caught up in the mess of his world, acting more like Pharaoh than the king of Israel. Now then, so but so he's in this place, and we can relate to this struggle. I mean, and uh, of uh, uh, knowing our own human frailty, our own self-centeredness, our own brokenness, but. Uh, then Solomon, we're told, he's at Gibeon. So he's even at the place of the high places, the place that's questionable. Right? And then he falls asleep. And then there's a dream. And then God appears to Solomon in the dream, saying, basically, what can I give you? What a question. You know what? Do you ever wonder, how come God didn't say, uh, this is what I'm going to give you? A great teacher asks great questions. And somehow what, what God wants to do is include us. Just he wants to include Solomon on this journey. He wants to include us in doing his work of redemption, of salvation, of Righteousness of justice. He wants to include us in that. So he comes to us often asking questions. What can I give you? What do you think you would say to God right now? If he asked that question of you. What can I give you? Solomon answers the question really well. I mean, it's, 
with meaningful honesty. I think in the midst of all of his anxiety and fear and all the rest, he just, he reaches up to God in meaningful honesty and says, you know, this is what I want. I want us to dig a little deeper into Solomon's response. Look particularly at verse six here. Because I think Solomon gives three things that sort of lead to his ultimate answer. All right, so ask what I shall give you. God says in verse 6, and Solomon says, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept him from this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. First, what I think Solomon realizes is that that he's just a, a part of a much larger story. That, that he is totally dependent upon God. He's totally dependent upon David, his father. That he has been placed here by God's wisdom and God's faithfulness and the faithfulness of those who went before him. He recognizes his dependence. We can recognize our own dependence. How we are dependent on those who went before us. How we, how what we have is gift that has been given to us. Who, who we are today and what we have as access of resources of the influence that, that we have in whatever places are all part of what God has given to us. And Solomon recognizes that First and foremost. So it, for, for you, in the, your place of, of struggle, of challenge, your wonder, as God is saying to you, what can I give to you? The first thing is to recognize, okay, where, what has God been doing in my life to set me up to this point today, right now? Then verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. There's dependence and now there's humility. He, he knows his own limitations. He knows, I don't know how to do this. I cannot do this on my own. You know, and, and, and that's the, the same for all of us, you know. I've never done tomorrow. You've never done tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow brings. We, we don't know all that will happen. And I do know that I am a selfish, scared, arrogant sinner that at times can just be downright stupid. So if it's, it's up to me, we are in trouble. I'm dependent on God's Gifts and on those who came before me, and I am aware of my limitations and my brokenness. And then finally, verse 8 And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. The third thing he recognizes then is the importance of the task. 
You've chosen us as your people. You've chosen me as the king. And this is the task of eternity that you have given to us. This is, this isn't Solomon's gig. It's not Israel's gig. This is God's gig. And He has chosen you. He's chosen me. He has set us up for this day. And He recognizes we're just as broken and we're just as frail as Solomon. And He has given us this task. A task of eternal significance. Whatever it might be, however, whatever elements in your particular lives, in, in work, in relationships, in your community, in your family, you are right where God wants you to be to carry out His important task. Recognize with Solomon our dependence, our humility, and the significance of the task. And then, then he responds to God's request. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? You know, what what Solomon asks for here is uh, literally a listening heart. That's translated here, um, an understanding mind. And uh, part of that is because in Hebrew, the heart is the center of decisions. It is the place where the mind and will meet. Unlike in our day where we sort of talk about emotions, in Hebrew and in Greek, and you see that, in, you'll see it in Jesus, they talk about emotions as the bowels, the gut. You know, when we talk about our, our gut or um, if we have uh, uh, butterflies in our stomach, you know, that uh, emotion. That's what they would But the heart is the place where they make decisions. And so he's asking for a listening heart, uh, a, a listening inner person where his mind and will come together to judge what is good and what is bad. <clears throat> now, there's no mixed bag here. Because the writer is clear in verse 10. This pleased the Lord. That Solomon had asked this. And God said to him. Because you've asked this. And have not asked for yourself long life or riches. Or the life of your enemies. But have asked for yourself understanding. To discern what is right. Behold I now do according to your word. I give you a wise and discerning mind. So that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you've not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, that I will lengthen your days. Solomon didn't ask for himself, didn't ask for his own ability. He didn't ask for one. He didn't ask for a long life. You know, he didn't ask for his own health, his own comfort. He didn't ask for riches. didn't ask to feed his own pleasures. He didn't ask for his own power. He didn't ask for victory over his enemies. But he asked for the ability to discern, to discern between good and evil. 
with dependence upon others in God's provision, the humility of his own self-limitation, his own personal inadequacy, and the significance of the task. This was God's gig. Solomon asked for what was truly needed in the moment. What later is, we're told, is wisdom. The ability to discern what is God's desire, what is good. The ability to discern later on in the passage what is just. Recently, uh, got to hear a, a woman, um, Liz Bohannon. And she was uh, sharing in, in her way sort of Solomon-like story for her. She was in college and she, her heart was just broken for girls and women around the world who, who faced um, uh, such persecution and such struggle, um, uh, needing uh, education and, and needing protection. And so she had this dream of, go, of being able to set some ministry up some way of helping um, women around the world. So what she figured was that she needed resources, she needed connection, and she needed experience. So she started working for different corporations um, and saying, starting to save money, trying to connect with the, the right people and, and gaining all the experience she could in his international business. And then she had a Solomon moment wasn't in a dream. It was just some awareness that she was going for the wrong stuff. And she realized she wanted to go you know, help the girls and women around the world who fought such a, um, a terrible opposition to, to simply just flourish in life. And she said, you know what, though? I don't know a single woman like that. I, and she realized, you know, I'm sort of a typical American. Hey, if I get enough money and enough, the right strategy, we'll go fix the problems around the world. And I don't know a single person. So at 23, she uh, went to her parents, said, I'm selling everything and I'm moving to Uganda. Now, they had a sense that, you know, she had these kind of harebrained ideas. And they're like, okay, well, who do you know? What are you going to do? She said, oh, I don't know anybody. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to go. I'm going to make one friend. And they let her go. Now, they did say there's nothing they could do to stop her. She was going to do it anyway. But she went to make a friend. And then that started a journey of true wisdom, of learning and coming alongside, being the student more than the teacher. And today, uh, Liz was at this event sharing of a business that she started that uh, uh, women in Uganda and Ethiopia are now running. It's a fashion business, um, a multi-million dollar business that helps all these uh, uh, women now leave their, their village in order to go to school, to return back and continue to, to then uh, give to their, their villages, their communities, and their world. But it took that, that moment of wisdom before she realized she didn't need all the other stuff first. What she needed was that wisdom. Now, I wonder for, for you... In your life, in your situations, maybe you find yourself 
um, in this kind of situation that Solomon is in. Uh, for those that are heading back to school, going off to school, starting a, a new job, uh, maybe a new stage in life. Your time now is to learn from Solomon, to recognize, okay, how did I get here? The humility of our own limitations and the significance of the task that God has given to you. And the best news is that in the end, uh, Solomon, in his brokenness, um, he was, as we read through the rest of Kings over the next several weeks, uh, we'll, we'll find that uh, he ends up being a mixed bag all the way through. I mean, he's great wisdom, writes a boatload of Proverbs. He writes Song of Songs. He writes Ecclesiastes. And as great wisdom is known around the world as the wisest, but we'll see a little bit later in chapter 11 that he ends up um, uh, disobeying the words of God. He, he disobeys. He, he ends up collecting more and more horses for himself, which in Deuteronomy 17, God tells kings, don't collect for yourself horses because then what happens is you trust in the horses and the chariots instead of God. And Solomon goes the, the way of ignorance instead of wisdom. But what we know today is that ultimately, even though Solomon gives us a hint of that wisdom, shows us the the way there, but then falls away, we know that God is the one who is wise. And that Jesus tells us that he is wiser even than Solomon in Matthew 12, 42. That ultimately, Solomon points us to Jesus who is the wisest of them all. And like Solomon, Jesus knew his dependence upon the Father, that he was there because the Father had placed him there. He knew in humility his particular place was to obey the Father even unto death. And he knew the significance of his task to break the ways of sin to to break the ways of guilt and shame and in the power of the resurrection to raise us to new life in him. And you know what's what's interesting too with Solomon here and I think has great meaning is the I didn't read this but many of us know that the story of Solomon's wisdom that follows after his great act of wisdom here of asking for wisdom from God to discern what is good and what is right, what is the way of the kingdom and what is the way of the world. Because then it was the the first time that we're given that he then demonstrates this wisdom is with two prostitutes. The next story is that two prostitutes come to the king. They come to Solomon. And some of you may remember the story. And they, they, they both said they had children. And that one of the prostitutes fell asleep and smothered her child. In the middle of the night, the one that smothered her child took the other prostitute's child as her own. Said, no, this is my child. And then, no, that's my child. So now they're fighting over who is, whose child is whom. And they come before the king. 
And this is his first act of wisdom. They say, whose child is this? Decide who's chi- who gets the child. And Solomon in his wisdom said, I tell you what, bring me a sword. Bring me the baby. I'll just cut the child in half. And we'll give one half to one and one half to the other. Because there's no way to decide this. And then one of the women cries out, No, no, give the child to the other. Give the child to the other. And the other woman says, Well, it's better that we each have half than none at all. And Solomon in his wisdom says, This child belongs to the mother who cried out. Because the mother who really gave birth to this child would have said, No, don't kill the child. Give them to whomever. Demonstrating Solomon's Practical wisdom. Now, what's really good news here is that he uses that wisdom to prostitutes because that's the way of Jesus. He doesn't come give his wisdom to the powerful, to the righteous, to the good. He comes and gives his wisdom to people like me and you. To folks that are like prostitutes and tax collectors. Folks who are sinners, who are selfish who are arrogant, who are fearful instead of faith and righteousness. This is the the good news of the wisdom of God. He gives it to, to you and to me through Jesus, no matter what. That's the scandalous grace. You might be saying, God's not going to give me wisdom. He's given me wisdom and I've gone my own way a hundred times. Over and over and over again, God's given me wisdom. I've done it for a minute and then I've let it go. Now, where you are today, right this moment, Jesus wants to give you his wisdom. Whether you feel like a prostitute, whether you feel like a tax collector or a sinner of the greatest degrees, that you don't know what's going on inside of me. You're right, but Jesus does. And this wisdom he grants to you for today. So my challenge for you is to be in tune. Be de- you're dependent. You have a history that God has orchestrated to today. Yes, be humble. Be, be honest with yourself and your own need for God. But recognize the significance of your life today. The, the task for today that he has given you. And if he's going to give two prostitutes, the king of Israel, to give two prostitutes wisdom, then the, our king is going to give you and me wisdom for our day today. Amen.